We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernine, back with a brand new series. Excited, excited to get back into the podcast. Joined today by FA Tutor, Chester City, youth coach and program leader in coaching and management with UCFB, Carl Wilde. He is also the author of brand new book, The Intelligent Soccer Coach. Please check it out, available on Amazon right now. We're discussing what makes a great training session today, looking into the book, different insights from Carl. Really excited to put this out, some brilliant insight from Carl. If you enjoy it, please, we don't ask for much a modern soccer coach, but if you want to help us, please give this a shout out online, modern soccer coach on Instagram and at MSC Education on Twitter. Here is Carl, enjoy. Carl, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Finally got you on. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on, Gary. Really appreciate it, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, the intelligent soccer coach. So we're gonna get we're gonna get stuck into the book, obviously. Um, but instead of kind of asking you chapter by chapter and ruining the book for people, we're gonna try and get them as much information as possible and kind of take the emphasis of a training session. Uh, which I think across the world, I think coaches are always interested in seeing the different ways and how to improve it. So the first question I have for you would be how you would define what makes a great training session. Um, so I think the obvious things first of all is, is, is what we all strive for is to make sure the players are having some fun within it. Obviously, I, I like to think that goes without saying. Uh, they've got to be engaged, they've got to enjoy it. And, and if we get that first of all, then then it's happy days for me, then, then obviously it's, it's, it's a great start. Um, the other thing then for me, realistically, is how we can affect each individual player within that training session, which is a real difficult challenge, first of all. I think that needs to be recognised. But if, the, if each individual player can take something away from the session, then I, then I think that it's been a really effective training session. So that might be in terms of the actual topic. So if it's around short passing, if they've, if they've improved something around short passing, an element of the, of the practice, then, then that's brilliant. Or it might just be in terms of more psychological element, in terms of having more confidence on the ball, uh, in terms of decision-making, when to pass, when not to pass, that type of thing. Um, or it might just be the social side for some players in terms of just being feeling like they've actually fitted in with the, with the session a little bit better in terms of working with the teammates and so forth. So if if each player can take something away from a practice, they've enjoyed it and they've had fun, I think we can we can tip that off as being a really good training session. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I've written about this. You are we now at a, at a stage where, like, I think over the past five years, well, maybe ten years, there's been a real collective approach to training and the game with tactics. Like the tactical side of it has really grown. Do you think we're we're almost with more education, a bit more awareness? We're coming back to now where where we have to impact these individuals, especially at the young ages. Yeah, we're, we're, absolutely. The key message is where, where I'm working at the moment with the players. The key message we keep giving to them is is to look after yourself and worry about yourself as an individual. 
So in terms of trying to get them to reflect within a practice, trying to get them to reflect within the game. Because if we can get, if we look at a full version of the game, 11 players all doing what they're meant to be doing and being good on the ball and so forth, I think it and looks after itself. So in terms of the tactics and so forth around it, that, that usually looks after itself. If you can get every individual achieving what they're meant to achieve on the pitch. So it's a real great emphasis at the moment. So we're, again, just where I am at the moment, we're, we're about to start introducing uh, IDPs in terms of getting the players to understand what it is that they need to improve on as an individual. But also on top of that, what they're really good at. I think we, we, we don't look at that enough sometimes. Every player obviously needs to improve at some part of the game, but they've also got some part of the game that they're really good at and they really excel at. And we, we forget that sometimes and think, all right, you're really good at dribbling, so we don't need to practice that. But if you are really good at dribbling, let's make you even better at dribbling because then you've got a real weapon in terms of you as an individual player. So, yeah, it's a real emphasis at the moment. I would say I'm, I'm just looking at not as a group of players, but uh, individual players who make up a group, if that makes sense. I think we all as coaching community, you know, if Pep Guardiola is at the the standard, the gold standard of a of an of a of a senior coach, of a professional coach, what or how would you describe the gold standard for a youth coach? What would that coach look like, or how would what would they encompass? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Like I was just under recruitment um, uh, last few months over getting some coaches in to work with some of our youth teams, and. One of the biggest things we made sure we didn't do was put down qualifications and badges and so forth that they had to have. So the, we, we we required a level one, which is the, the lowest here within this country, just to make sure they obviously had that qualification in terms of safeguard and so forth. But then the main emphasis was one about, about the person rather than the coach. And I think it's to, if we can get the right people in, and that they can have some real effects in terms of youth coaching. So in terms of if they can engage the players, if the if the players like working with the coach, if they're open to new ideas and development and so forth. So I think it's those it's getting the right people in that are really open to 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 wanting to improve not only themselves but the players as well. I, I think that's really important. So I'd say we forget sometimes that again I'll probably touch upon this throughout throughout the the chat that that they are kids and we, we forget about that and and the kids need to go away from sessions talking about the coach and talking about the environment and saying how much they enjoyed it. And then then that's really successful, again, in terms of helping those kids really enjoy football. And, and then from there, usually if they enjoy it, they'll learn better and then will really help them reach their potential. So just to sort of be, in terms of we want coaches who are approachable, who are enthusiastic, who are caring, who 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 are uh, really motivated in terms of challenging the players and challenging themselves. It's those players, uh, coaches, sorry, that we're really looking to promote within our youth system. Because I believe in terms of the actual knowledge of the game, that's stuff that we can usually help with in terms of promoting that and helping them with that. What we can't usually change is, is people's habits and in terms of their personal skills. That's a bigger challenge to actually change within a person. So if we can get the right people in, then usually we can help them support them in terms of their coaching. So, for me, that that's the that's the starting block for what is a what is a, a great youth coach. As coaches, like and I think this is just as we're people, we're we're pretty good at being critical and and on players, but we're we're sometimes easy on ourselves, especially with our self image of what we're about. Um, your chapter on is a second chapter in the book, understanding yourself and your qualities. Uh, how does a coach go about 
you mentioned there about that personality, about the ability to communicate and connect. How does a coach go about, I suppose, learning about themselves and and kind of going deeper into that area? Yeah. Um, I think... I think usually the hardest part for people is that they, they sometimes understand themselves and understand what they want to do in terms of coaching, but it's then actually following it through and being real true to themselves. And I think that that's probably the biggest challenge. So first of all, I'll talk about it in the chapter, just recognizing first of all, what you are good at and what you bring to the table. Um, so especially when you start off in coaching, so I, I try and reflect back to when I first started and I had stuff that not weren't necessarily related to football, but I knew I had certain aspects of my characteristic in terms of maybe what I brought from my job and so forth that I was really good at. So, for example, just my organisational skills at the time were really good. So I, I used that to my advantage in terms of my coaching. So it, it's getting that starting point, first of all, just recognising what you are good at in terms of day-to-day stuff, in terms of at home and in terms of in life. Again, a lot of us going to coaching might be parents, so we've already got an understanding of what kids are like. We know what they like day to day and what we enjoy doing and what we don't enjoy doing. So use that within your coaching as well. And then it, it, it's starting to reflect upon on, on what you actually do within your coaching and then understanding whether you are actually doing what you want to do within it. So, for example, if, if you look at like a coaching philosophy, it's very much about play development. Are we actually then truly doing that within our sessions and within games? So, again, we've come across coaches who, who may say, yeah, I'm all about play development, but then certain players are getting more time on the pitch than other players because they're the so-called stronger players. So, I think actually promoting it and doing it is a lot different to actually saying you're going to do it. And I think that's the real challenge. And sometimes just stepping back and, and having a look at yourself, I think the best way for me Again, it's not always possible is to actually get yourself filmed, even if it's on just one of your mates' phones and they can film you. And, and then you can look back and, and reflect on yourself. And you don't sometimes recognise yourself. You, you think you're doing stuff and maybe you're not or vice versa. So something like that, if you can get yourself recorded, I, I'd highly I'd highly recommend it and just give yourself a watch back. But just go back to, I think, just the main thing for me is just, just think about why you're going into coaching write that down, write what you believe in, write what, write down what you want to do from it and why you're there. And most of the time you're there just to go and help the players and to help them play football and enjoy football. So, And it's nice to keep going back and revisit that. So if you can put that down somewhere, stick it on your fridge or whatever it is and just remind yourself each time before you go to training or before you go to match day, just remind yourself what you're there for and just make sure you follow that through. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Um love this quote as well in the book the best coaches are not necessarily the coaches who have that greatest level of technical or tactical knowledge or the most experience or even the highest qualification so you 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 said that before then about don't get caught up in the coaching badges but i mean you you're on twitter as well car like we're, we're having this culture today where we're actually celebrating getting a license and it seems to be a a destination point you know how do i get into this course and people are, and i get it like people want to better themselves but do you think we're we're in danger perhaps of ch- chasing the wrong goal when it comes to coaching yeah i, I think so it, it, again it's a real difficult one i understand why why we go chasing qualifications and so forth I mean, i've got the certain qualifications myself and sometimes they are needed to get to where you want to if you want to go professional about it but I think it's how you approach qualifications, first of all. So I always promote it. So when, if, I'm, if I'm in my lecturing role at, at university if I'm, or in my um, 
tutoring role with the FA, I, I always start off the, off with be here for the right reasons, be here to learn and be here to develop yourselves, not to get the qualification. Because if you come, you, you'll get the qualification probably anyway. But that's just a piece of paper. You, you need you should leave the course doing things differently to how you started the course. If you don't, if you don't do that, I mean, you, you've not come here for the right reasons, and you've not taken the right messages from it. So again, it goes like we mentioned at the start of the, of the chat and about getting those right people in. And for me, those people will go on a course, and they'll be there and open to new ideas. They'll be open to self-reflection in terms of thinking about what they're doing at the moment and the information they're getting on the course about how they can how they can improve or change themselves. Or a lot of the time, I think again, people forget that they don't recognise that they're doing stuff right. So they might get it on the course and go, do you know what? That's what I already do. That's brilliant. Give yourself a pat on the back for that. So, yeah, again, I appreciate people do need to go on these qualifications. But I'd also, again, we promote just take your time with it. It's a journey. So we've got plenty of time to get the qualifications. Don't rush. Don't be a, don't be a qualification collector. Don't be a badge collector. Go, go out there and be go and learn. You're better off spending time on the pitch and going learning and coaching in different age groups and different environments and watching different coaches and looking at yourself and then go get the qualifications when you feel it's the right time for you uh, to move on to that next one. Yeah, that great point. Like I, I love this because sometimes that again, the book about the intelligent soccer coach and it's not just about getting the information. For intelligence, the intelligence is more the experience because there's the personality of the coach just matters so much, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's about it's about the why. It's understanding why you're doing stuff, uh, and I think maybe that's sometimes again where again you mentioned Twitter before, and we, we sometimes take me. You know, I put practices on there myself to help to help other coaches and so forth, and but sometimes we just take practices and implement them, and we don't quite understand the why we're actually doing it. Or we're asking you to coach in a certain way, so through the Q and A uh, uh, method and so forth. But we don't really understand why we're doing it, and that's that's the key to it. Again, for the for the for the probably more effective coaches, they go and find out why am I actually doing this? What is the purpose behind it? What does it actually achieve by going by the, by doing this, rather than just going and doing it? And I think that's again where we talk about the intelligent coach. That that's intelligence understanding why we do stuff understanding how we do stuff not just actually doing it yeah emotional intelligence to where you're now starting to yeah get get to understand people and i think again like when i when i think of my journey and mistakes that i've made and and why i've made those mistakes sometimes i think well did coach education not train me but condition me into thinking so where you go when you think in past fail back in the day when i was doing it um that was almost there was nothing it was about the technical points it wasn't about because you have a group of strangers you don't have to build rapport or connect with them but that's ultimately like when i go out monday tuesday wednesday friday my my session is basically hangs in the balance of that rapport i suppose that's what i wanted to ask you like as a as a youth coach who probably doesn't get educated on rapport and connection how how would you either challenge or or advise young coaches to, to get into that area yeah, again, I think it's a really key part of coaching. If you can get that rapport going with the players, you'll get more out of them in terms of actual performance. So we don't realise just the actual effects that a rapport can have. So my best advice, I would say, is get to know them. Get to know them outside of football. 
So find out what 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 else sort of interest they've got. Find out the type of day they've had, for instance. So when you arrive at training, quick handshake. How's your day been? What have you done at school? How are you feeling? And so forth. Get little bits of information from them. And then you can start to connect with them as well. So I don't, for, for instance, it might be that you have a pet dog. And then next week, once you found that out, you could ask about how's your dog doing? Is he all right? And so forth. And then they start to appreciate that you actually do care about them. And they realize that you do actually want to connect with them and help them and so forth. And once you can start getting that sort of relationship with them, then it's a lot easier than when you want to go onto the onto the coaching side of it in terms of actually getting information across to them. They understand that you're there for a reason. That reason is actually to help them. So I, I think it's really important and, and just understanding what they need in terms of their development as well and, and understanding that they don't all want to be the coach the same way. We don't all want to receive the information the same way. And they're going to react to different situations in different ways. So some will obviously they'll have knockbacks in throughout, throughout football in terms of whether it's an injury or uh, unsuccessful in a practice, whatever it may be. And they're all going to react differently. So, And if you don't know your players, you don't know the best way to support them in those situations. So getting to know them as an individual, not just as an individual player, but as an individual person, is absolutely key if you're going to be really successful in terms of coaching that group of players. When you're, or when a coach has put the session together and is, you know, going driving there or in that process of going there, what, what are some, or even in the process of planning, what are some ways the coaches can go about goal setting or creating the objectives for themselves to get out of the session? Um, yeah, I think... In terms of it, it's understanding first, or like you mentioned, exactly what it is you want to get out of the session. So what exactly is you want to get out of the practice? So I'd always say to coaches, if once you finish that session, for me, I'd, I'd be able to go around each player and ask them what they learned from it. And they should all realistically give you a similar sort of answer. They won't give you the exact same answer, but they should give you some sort of similar answer in terms of what the session or what the practice was about. And you shouldn't necessarily have to give them that information at the start of the practice. They should understand and work it out themselves during the actual practice as it's going on. So they should realise, for instance, it's a short passing practice. And then you start getting a little bit of information around maybe your first touch in terms of where it wants to go, in terms of getting your head up to identify the pass and making sure there's a there's a pathway between me and the mate who's playing it. It's that information is given to the players throughout. And then obviously at the end, at that little bit of feedback time, when the coach then asks a bit of what have you learned today, what have you what have you improved on, that information should then come back to them from the players. So it's usually for me is having that having that focus. So that's that short passing, and then having the blocks of how you're going to achieve or what bits of short passing do you want them to get better at. And it's identifying those blocks and then introducing those blocks throughout the practice. And that, that's the key bit for me. But at the same time, it doesn't have to necessarily be around the technical thing. Uh, obviously, a lot of lot of work at the moment go around the physical corner, uh, psychological corner and so forth. So we can just have stuff around decision-making, so when to pass and when to dribble, that type of stuff. But it's just having that clear focus and then breaking that focus down in terms of how we're going to get to that final end product of the short pass. What do they need to do in stages before they can get to that final part of it? And then that that should then tell you whether, again, we go back to that first question, whether it's been an effective training session. Because if the players have come back and give you those answers and they've shown a little bit of improvement around it, because we've only got an hour, we can't achieve huge amounts of, of success in that time. But if they've shown some level of improvement with it, 
but again it's been a really successful session we'll just take a quick break here coaches there is a ton of free content out every week on the modern soccer coach website articles interviews free sessions video analysis modern soccer coach is the only coaching organization who puts 99 percent of their content out for free but we do need support to keep it going. So if you enjoy the Modern Soccer Coach content and you want to help us and help support and keep it going, we've just released a new ebook, 25 Positional Training Sessions for Forwards. It's available now on modernsoccercoach.com shop. Just go into the shop. If you want to pick up the ebook or any of the books, it would make a huge difference to what we do. Also, if you follow us on Instagram and give us a subscribe on YouTube as well, Gary Kernin YouTube page, that would be huge. Thanks so much for your help to keep it going. The more support we get, the more we can put out and share all the free content on the Modern Soccer Coach website. Thank you. Whenever you mentioned earlier there about the, you know, we all like to think that we're player development experts or at least trying in that area. And again, it's almost like self-reflection that sometimes you realize that, I mean, I look back and think, thought I was player-centered and I, oh, I was so far away from it. Uh, how, again, similar to self-reflection, what are some ways do you think that coaches can catch themselves moving in the wrong direction of the individual or moving in more of a, worry too much about the outcome or too much about the results? Are there any ways that, or do, they, do coaches need a mentor in this here? You know, can they, can they help themselves a bit more, I suppose, in what I'm asking? Yeah, I think usually, I think not necessarily a mentor. I think a mentor definitely helps 100% if you can get the right people working alongside you. But even like maybe if you're working in, in twos in terms of your coaching team, your coach can help sometimes as well. Because if you really want to get to this developmental element in terms of this player-centred approach, then we need to make sure everything's about the player. And we shouldn't really see the coach within the sessions. It should be, everything should be focused around the player. So in terms of just things like, uh, tiny little things like stoppages. So we, we do a couple of things where we use the coach in terms of restricting ourselves to just two or three stoppages within a, within a practice. So we're not stopping it too often. So we make sure we've got plenty of ball rolling time, letting the players work out the solutions to the problems themselves. And then if we've only got two or three stoppages, we make sure that then we're only going in at a really important time when we think, I need to get in here. There's key information that they really need. Once you've hit your two or three, whatever it is, that's it, you're done. And then that's it. The next 10 minutes, they carry on. Length of time in terms of stoppages as well, you might limit yourself to 20, 30 seconds. Again, if you've got a coach with you, get them timing you. Once your 20 seconds is done, get out get back to the players because that's what we're there for. It's the players. They need to be focused around it. Um, and then just the approach to think about, again, who's who who's leading the practice, who who's making the decisions within the practice. Is it the coach? Is it ourselves or is it the players? And again, it, sh it should be the players in terms of, again, using that Q&A. Might be asking them how they want to progress it, what, what will make the practice more challenging. Let them take ownership of that. Let them take ownership of some of the setup. So in terms of if it's a simple practice where we're just using passing gates, let them go put out the passing gates. Where do you want them put in the practice? How wide do you want them? Uh, how far apart do you want them and so forth? So we're passing ownership onto them again. So if we can start looking at how much you're actually doing within the session, that should then give you an idea in terms of are we really player-centred? Are we really focused on player development? 
Uh, and the less that we actually do within the session, I know it sounds a bit daft because we're there to coach and to help, but the less we do, the better. We should we should hardly be noticed, apart from when it's really important in key moments within the practice, that's when the coach goes in there. I love that. Because you could do that by yourself. Like You could just have a watch or almost time down 30 yeah. seconds. Like bang, get in, get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, set an alarm. As soon as it's done, whether you're finished or not, it's hard at first because you, you you're not used to it and you want to carry on. But if you stretch with yourself, your thirty seconds is up. Get out. I mean, after a while, you, you you'll get used to it. Your your messages are a lot quicker, a lot sharper. Uh, they're a lot more precise and concise, which is what the players want anyway. We don't want to be stood around for two minutes while you're trying to say what could have been said in five words, taking five hundred or whatever it may be. They want to go and play, and that's why they lose focus. But it, again, we go back to that thing: the kids. We don't want to stand listening. They want to be doing. So just get in and get out. Yeah, we're also at a time now, uh, definitely over here, where we're complaining about communication is probably like the biggest email I get about how to, com- you know, like just randomly, hey, any exercises that can coach communication or like can we facilitate leadership? But a lot of that, like you say, is around session design. I wonder if we're sometimes as coach, this coach being king, mentality sometimes that we have because of how the game is perceived from a tv point of view yeah. sometimes does that put ourselves to where like we're we're unwilling to let the players put the codes out or, or to to take some ownership of the session yeah i think it's difficult as well because we're worried we're worried whether because of what it looks like and i think sometimes the expectation is that it should look perfect a training session it, it should look like that we're constantly involved and in doing because that's what we're there for and if we if we stand stand back and let players do stuff, it, 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 Pete, you you worried about what people are thinking in terms of what what's he doing? Uh, for, we we went to a six aside tournament last night, and there's there's four games going on, and we basically just said to the players, we're not getting involved tonight. So there's your teams, off you go. You sort out your formations. You go sort out roll on roll or sub. So you decide when who's coming on and who's going off. You do everything. You do it absolutely, and at first it was really challenging. They they weren't used to it. They didn't. They they were they were confused by it. And the first probably game, two games didn't go greatly. But you've got to stick to it. Again, it, it would have been quite easy because it didn't work straight away for us. To go right, isn't working. Let's go in and, and manage it ourselves, and we take control. But again, we we stayed with the process, and third, fourth games were fantastic. There was loads of leadership on the pitch, lots of ownership. Lads, actually, when they were subs, were actually coaching from the sidelines and telling their teammates what to do. It was a fantastic experience for them. And, and it's just being brave with your coaching and allowing to do that and, and having that wider focus and understanding about what you're actually achieving. So, again, from that, we, hopefully, when we go and play games full size at the weekend, we'll, we'll have some more leadership on the pitch. We'll have some lads organising in terms of where they should be on the pitch and, in terms of defensive units and so forth, just from that, that that practice that we did last night. So I'd say it's really be about being brave. It really is. Uh, and not and understanding what the process is and what you're actually getting out of it and not worrying about what it looks like, mm-hmm. but worrying about what you're achieving from it. And I think if you can do that, then you'll be in a really good place. Yeah, this is brilliant. Uh, the So the model over here obviously is, uh, with the pay-to-play system and you know parents are are almost paying for a service with their soccer so a lot of a lot of coaches who are young coaches who are really keen in doing things differently and doing things in a in a really positive direction 
sometimes get resistance from uh, parents who are sitting there. And the American model is football coach in the middle of it, basketball coach in the middle of it. So I think the biggest thing that the young coach struggles with over here is, yeah, I'm now perceived as lazy or I'm not doing enough. Like, What advice would you have for them to kind of almost educate parents or how do they get through that? I think straight away it, 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 it's it's educating them, but quite often we don't communicate with them and we don't understand what's happening. So, for instance, last night it probably did look really messy, and parents will be saying over here to be wondering what's going on in terms of what what why aren't they why aren't they helping the players? Why are we not instructing them, telling them what to do? So, the key message is, is first of all to let let parents know what's happening. Um, so, big big advice that I again go back to the book. It's in the book. Um, quite often do your team talks or you do your chats in front of parents rather than away from parents so they hear what's going on as well so for example if we, if we look at in, in terms of, of uh, when they're playing a game we might say right today the focus of today's game not not concerned about winning whatsoever all concerned about is dribbling so whenever whenever you get the ball all what you try and do is get go past the player now if they did that away from the parents once the game got going and Billy or, or James dribbling all the parents will start shouting. He's, he's telling them to pass the ball and pass the ball. So because they weren't understanding that, that they've been told to dribble. So if you do it in front of the parents, then first of all the parents will understand, and then you can actually get them involved in the process as well. So we can tell the players if you dribble and attempt to go past the player, you'll get loads of encouragement from your parents. They cheer and they clap and they give you loads of well done's and so forth. So then all of a sudden it's put back onto the parents that they've actually got to go and help now in terms of being part of that process. They understand why we're doing it. And then you'll get a lot more engagement. You get a lot more buying from the parents as well. If we try and hide stuff from them, then obviously you are going to get a little bit of conflict and you are going to get a little bit of negativity in terms of they're trying to say the opposite in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So for me, it's it's getting parents involved rather than trying to push them away from the process. Fantastic. One of the... the big phrases in coaching today is this is this game realism uh, and making sure the practices meet the demands of the, of the match. What, what are some ways, I suppose, that coaches can sit down, look at their session and make sure it ticks, it ticks the boxes in, the, in that sense? Yeah, I think, I think it's really important. I think there's, there's loads of aspects around understanding what football is or, or soccer is. And I don't think, I think quite a lot of the coaches, we think we know the game, but then we don't really... If we break the game down, we don't fully understand what it actually is. So, like even like the basic principles, but it's an invasion game. So, I it's about getting the ball from from your territory into the opposition territory. So, just like American football is, and and hockey is, and, and basketball are all invasion games. And you understand the principles around that first of all. That's really important. So, one of the biggest ones for me is is if you're doing an out of possession practice, for instance. The key principle of any invasion game is to stop the opposition from progressing forward and to stop and you protecting something. So in football or soccer, it's the goals. So if you're doing an out of possession practice, you've got to give the defenders something to actually defend against. So because if not, that principle of how you actually go and defend is, is just lost within the practice. So it's just basic little understandings like that, first of all, just recognise and really make sure you understand what the game of football is. And then the other key one for me that, that I think a lot about is is the before and after around practices as well, what we're focusing on. So what I mean by that is we'll have a focus on a practice and say it's dribbling. So that's the actual topic that we're looking at is dribbling. But we, we forget what happens before the dribble. 
sorry, what happens before the dribble and then what happens after the dribble. So if we look at like maybe that basic one v one practice where a defender passes the ball to the attacker, attacker tries to then dribble past the defender and stop the ball on the line. If we then look at that in a game of football, that that never happens. So the before bit is the the, the attacker will never receive a pass off a defender. The attacker will receive a pass from an angle pass from a teammate or from behind or whatever it is. So I think, first of all, introduce a server. So the server's playing a ball into the attacker because they'll get used to receiving it in a more realistic situation. And then once they go past the defender, in a game of football, they're never going to stop it on a line. That never happens. So why are we asking the defender to stop it on a line? After they've beaten a defender, they would go and do something else, like pass it to a teammate or have a shot or run or drive the ball. So once they've done that initial bit, give them something else to do that, that would look like the game. So it might just be a small goal or a set of gates that they have to pass through after they've beaten the defender. So it's that, yes, it's the main bit because we're looking at the dribble, but don't forget the before and after bit. And I think, again, by doing that, you're making it a lot more realistic to what it will happen in the game when they come on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever, when they're playing the matches. So it's just when, when for me, the, the advice would be when you when you decided what your focus is or what your practice is, does it look like what it looks like in the game? So visualise what dribbling or short passing looks like on a Saturday or Sunday when they play the games. Does that now look like the same environment that your practice is now producing? And if you can do that, then I think you're starting to really produce uh, game realistic practices. Mm. Fantastic. You talk about go-to practices in your book. I was like, I love that term because we all have them. You know, we all have the, when we're, when we're thinking it's almost the template starts, we almost go there first of all. And sometimes you kind of catch yourself. I, I always, I find it difficult. Uh, I always like to keep it fresh. So I always try to move away from it in some form. Uh, when you, but we naturally have them. So like what I wanted yeah. to ask you was, I mean, should we be, should we be progressing them? Should we be, uh, a question in them, like our our best, basically our six favorite sessions. You know what what should we be doing with them to making sure they're always keeping yeah. on? Uh, it's actually this is what my second book's about. Oh, <laughs> I'm in the process of writing down at the moment, so I've I've got ten core practices within it, and basically, uh, without going into too much detail around it, I have ten core practices, but then each one's adapted or changed in nine different ways. So these ten core practices become a hundred practices. Because I think there's a definite advantage to having these these core practices in that the players understand them. So if you if you whatever it's for instance, just for example, if it's practice A, you say right, we're going to go do practice A. Obviously, a bit be a bit more creative with the name of it in terms of it might be named after a player or a team. Straight away, the players are in the practice and we know what we're doing. Because um, when we introduce, sometimes we try and be a bit too creative with practices. I mean, it takes them five ten minutes to actually understand what the practice is rather than actually developing around the actual topic of the actual practice. So we, we lose time within that in terms of why the players are trying to work out what it is they're actually meant to do. But just by adapting and changing the practice within it, so uh, we use the step process uh, a lot within within our coaching in terms of uh, changing either the shape, the task, the equipment, or the, or the players within it. Just by changing one or two things within it, you can then get a completely different focus out of the practice. So, for instance, you could use practice A one week for dribbling, but by just changing one task within it, it now becomes a passing practice. So, for instance, you go back to those gates that we talked about before. One week, you're passing through the gates. The following week, you're dribbling through the gates. 
So it becomes a different environment for the players. They still understand what the concept of the practice is. We've just changed that one task within it. And then all of a sudden they've got a completely different focus. Mm. What does need to happen though is, is, is like you say, it's got to be then progressions within it to keep them challenged. Because if we just keep doing the same thing, A, they lose motivation. They won't develop because if you're not challenging and making it harder, they're just going to stay at that constant level in terms of what they're at. So in terms of that gate one, it might be to get a point, dribble through one gate. You now need to, to get a point, you have to dribble through two gates or we remove some of the gates so there's less gates to dribble through or, wh- or whatever it may be. Or we change the size of the ball so it's not it's a smaller ball now. It's like a tennis ball and it's harder to dribble. So 100%, you've got to progress them. You've got to make it challenging for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in sometimes using the same practices can be a real benefit in terms of helping them with the development and getting the most out of the session. When, when we're getting to that, towards that end of the session then, and again, a, a, something that I, I always chuckle when I see it on the people, great session tonight. Uh, and you said it there, sometimes we, we think that's like, oh, it was clean and it was perfect and it might have been or they might have played heads tennis all night. And they might have said, oh, I love that, but they might not have improved. Like, how, how does a coach or how should a coach get in a car and, and kind of start that process of review with themselves? I think if we've got to be really effective in terms of reviewing, first of all, we have to do it on a regular basis in terms of it's a, it's a constant process. Once you've done that, I think it's really important to actually understand what you are going to review before the actual session even begins. Because if we just sit in the car afterwards or we get home and review a session, we can just get lost in so many thoughts in terms of trying to reflect about what went well and what didn't go well. So I think, it, it, it again, it needs to be a, a staged and a, a development model in terms of what it is that you actually want to reflect on. So, for instance, you, we talked about communication earlier. It might be, right, tonight, all I'm going to worry about in terms of review process is, is, is my communication within the practice. And then, so when I've got an actual thought process, as I'm actually doing the practice, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how my communication is. And then after the practice, it's a lot easier then to really go into the nitty gritty in terms of was that communication effective? And if not, why not? And if it in elements, if it was, why was it? And then you can really get down to good reflection rather than just a, a sort of process that it's, it's quite basic in terms of the black and white stuff or whether it was this was good and that wasn't good. So I think, first of all, if we can do that, that that's really effective. The, the, the next key bit for me is what you actually do about it. Because I think a lot of a lot of us reflect, and I'll hold my hands up, I do it constantly. We reflect and go, yeah, that part went well, or maybe that didn't go so well. But what do I actually do about it? The, usually quite often nothing in terms of there's no actual um, mo- uh, process or anything that then makes me actually go and do something about that. So we talked about this a lot in terms of the coaching environment we're in at the moment. If we go through that plan, do, review process, everyone will plan effectively and everyone will deliver effectively because if we don't, the session won't actually go ahead. If we don't plan it, we can't actually deliver it. If we don't turn up and do it, the session won't go ahead. But if we don't reflect, does it really matter? And the answer is probably no. So it's that part of the process we usually put to one side. So... I think it helps again if you can get other people involved and, and so you've got a little bit more uh, ownership on it and in terms of making sure it does actually happen. So again, if you're working within a coaching team environment, put pressure on each other to actually go, right, let me have a look at your reflections from last week because we will ask for a session plan and we'll ask to see you deliver a session. 
but do we actually ever ask anyone to see their reflections afterwards? So we need to put a little bit more pressure on ourselves actually doing an effective review process than probably what we are doing at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. That's what I wanted to ask you was the the process of the coach, because we're very good at giving players feedback, well, we should be. Uh, And then you're saying like how to get better at getting ourselves feedback. If you're a director and let's say, you know, like again, over here where you're, uh, you've got 10 underage groups and, you, and you're going ahead and you're looking at basically making sure there's quality control and all those there. And let's just say there's there's not in some areas. How can you, you know, effectively give feedback to young coaches without, you know, again, like disenga- not disengaging them, but maybe yeah. maybe turn it into a negative? Yeah, I think I think coach in terms of like if we could classify it as sort of coach education or coach mentorship, it's basically the same as coaching players. You, we we won't go into if a player is struggling a little bit, we won't go into them with loads of negativity and so forth. We'd 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 praise them and highlight what we're doing well and and try and get them to self reflect in terms of you know what it so what what could you've done better there, what might you do next time and so forth. So it's the same with the with the process in terms of when we're working with coaches. We need to get them to recognise what we're doing well. We need to get them to recognise what maybe maybe could could be done better next time. So in terms of it's ha- it's the questions that we use within the process. We need to try and guide them to the areas of the performance or the areas of the session that maybe didn't go quite so well. So in terms of it might be a conversation of come over to yourself. I'll tell you what you fa- I saw this happening. It was fantastic. And then I saw you do that. It was brilliant, fantastic. And then you might just turn around and go. How do you think the actual outcome of the session was, or how do you think the actual communication was within the session? And get them in terms of the process and get them thinking about it and get them coming up with the answers rather than us just going over and saying, I thought your communication was really poor tonight. The players have no idea what you were on about. It, it, it's making them recognise again everything they're doing well, but then dropping the little seed that maybe there's an area that they maybe need to reflect upon and change. And then it, it's it's all well and good highlighting it to them, but then we've got to highlight as well how they can improve it. We've got to support them. We can't just go up and say, you need to do this better or get them. It's it's then helping them to improve it and putting something in place like we would with a player. So next time you, you, you receive the ball, make sure you have a look or check your shoulder, whatever it is. We've got to do the same with the coaches. So next time you step in and, and want to speak to the players, make sure you know what you want to say before you actually say it. Make sure you, you're going to be, give yourself that 10 seconds that we talked about before. So you've only got 10 seconds to go and say it. Do you need something else to help you with communication? Is it is there a visual aid help? Should you maybe go in and demonstrate next time and so forth? So we've got to help them with find the answers, not just raise the concerns, if that makes sense. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Um, final section. Let's chat about the book and, and uh, what the intelligent soccer coach. What? What are the main takeaways that you're looking for coaches to come away from it? Um, I think if, if the three main elements of it are the book is first of all, we've touched upon some of it already in terms of just understanding themselves and, and what their role is as a coach, understanding what the actual game of football or soccer is in terms of, again, that invasion game and, and the purpose of it and so forth. And then just understanding who you are actually coaching. Um, and there's a lot of information around just re- just reminding people and coaches that, that they're kids, and, and, I, and I refer to it a lot within the book and just remind ourselves that the children try and remember what you were like as a child and 
try and remember what we like doing and try and think about the environments they're used to and so forth. And it's, it's the, the, we've gotten for a long time. So take your time with them, have some patience with them and let them enjoy the journey and so forth and try not to rush things and so forth. So I think the, the real big key one is just understanding who it is you're coaching. Uh, but then at the same time, just recognise your role within that and, and, and just recognise what it is that you are actually coaching in terms of the game of football and, and in terms of the, the game of football that they play rather than the game of football that the professionals play, I think, again, is, is, is a key message around it. Yeah, I'm halfway through it. Uh, I told you before we started recording, really enjoying it. The the part That part of the game actually threw me off the start of it where you're actually defining what the game is because I thought, Jeez, I know what the game is, but, but then when you're defining it, then to like, no, let's use that as a starting point to right. be because if you move away, and you're right, like we all view the game in similar but different. I thought that was brilliant. No, thank you. Yeah, I think it's really a key important bit because again, a lot of us will go into coaching because we've played it, and like you say yourself, we all go, I know the game. Why, why are you even saying it? But just breaking it down and just reminding yourself sometimes exactly what happens within it and and the purpose of the game and why people play it and so forth. I think it, I think we just forget it sometimes or take it for granted. And then when it comes to the actual planning again within practice and so forth, we, we sort of miss key information out of it. So it's, like I mentioned before, in terms of out of possession, we, we forget there's an actual goal to defend. So we've got to give them something to defend within the practices. I know it's simple as that may sound, but I think we're all guilty of just tripping ourselves up sometimes. We're missing key bits like that out of our practices. Mm. What was the inspiration behind writing it? So I've, I've spent the last few years doing quite a lot of coach education. So like I said, I do some work with the FA over here in England uh, on some of the courses. And I'm also uh, a university lecturer. We, we do football specific degrees as well. And I've just found a lot of the information that was given was, was, was well received by people. And, and uh, the information that was given was really helpful in terms of coaches. So I just wanted, first of all, to provide a resource where coaches can keep referring back to it just as little reminders. So, again, it'll just help him with a journey. Uh, and then just to get it out there to a wider set of people, because, like I say, it, the information I was giving was, was well received. So I was just hoping to help as many coaches as I possibly could uh, across all areas of the planet, basically. So just trying to get some key messages out there. But I think it's just really important because I was just so passionate about the game and, what it can do, especially for young children. And I think any help I can give coaches that will then basically give the kids a better experience, then I just wanted to do as much as I possibly could. Mm. Working in, in academics then, does the writing come easier for you? Do you enjoy it? Um, it, it, it was some, it's one of them, like most things in life, it was difficult to get going. But once, once I got over those first few pages and I found my particular writing style, which I think is key. And I think, again, uh, I think reads quite well. I think that's really important. Yeah. It's, it's something that the coaches, you, you don't want to be finding hard work or have too much academic side on it. So I've, I've stripped all that right back and just try to produce something that's a, an easy flow and takes you on a journey, basically. Yeah. I think like you mentioned yourself, you mentioned before, just getting to know the game, getting to know yourself, then getting to know the players and then put it all together. And I thought the other key bit that we spoke about before is just giving examples of those practices, but giving the why behind it, not the saying it is a practice, but giving a real good understanding of why it's an effective practice for the players and what the players will get out of it and how it relates to the game of football. Mm. So I think, I think obviously that was key as well in terms of the actual production of it. So yeah, I think again, hopefully I've achieved that. 
Yeah, no, it's great. The 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 piece that I almost like I'll pick up a football book and I always like tell everyone, you know, sometimes I get messages, should you read this? You should read every single football book because they just put different things in your head. Absolutely. The one foot the football the things that I've kind of stopped reading over the last three to five years has probably been theory based, like leadership theory based, but yeah. yours yours is like get on the grass and get your boots dirty you know <laughs> and that's what i love about it it's like and that was is that a piece of advice that you tell coaches right away to get that experience 100 percent, 100 percent. the more time you spend it you know yourself okay the more time you spend on the grass the better coach you'll be it's as simplistic as that coach as many different types of groups of players you can in terms of ages ability genders whatever it may be just spend as much time on the grass it's how you learn how to coach and it's how you learn the game more effectively. And it's how you get to understand how players uh, want, to, want to learn, how they develop, what their needs are and so forth. So listen, I'm probably saying, disturbing me book now and saying, don't, yeah, the best thing you can do is actually go and coach. Don't read books. Get on the pitch, but no, hopefully the book will support you a little bit in terms of your time on the pitch, but hundred percent. You've just, because at the end of the day, you, you shouldn't be coaching if you don't enjoy it. So therefore, you're doing something you enjoy anyway. So it's it's a win-win situation. You're doing something you love and you're doing something that's going to help you improve better, to get better at coaching. So just, just get out on the pitch and enjoy it. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I, I'm assuming you're a reader yourself then? Yeah, again, well, well I, when, when, I can, when I can, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a busy man at the moment. But look, that's, again, what I like to be. I don't, I don't want to be sat in a... In a, in a house or sat on the couch reading, I, I like to get out on the pitches as much as I can. But again, I'm one of them. I'll read as much as I can because if you just take one piece of information from a book or from a, a podcast, then then it's it's a win-win situation. And so you, that that's all you need. That one little nugget from anything, take something away from anything, then it's then it's a then it's a definitely a worthwhile situation. We will recommend and we'll put the links in, in for all the YouTube and the website. We'll get everyone that's on Amazon and at your good bookstore. But nobody goes to bookstores anymore, so they'll get it nope. on Amazon because that's where everyone buys. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you're starting uh, the next. So you've given us a bit of a sneak peek on the next one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I say, it's, it's, I've literally just about to finish it. So it'll wow. be out uh, next year. Yeah, I, no, it was literally, it was one of them where I spoke to the publisher and they were, I said, are you interested in the second one? He went, yeah, but we need it by this date. And I was like, oh. So, um, but yeah, so I've, again, not had much time to reading because I've been been writing my second one. So I've got about two chapters left to write. So in a year's time. So again, a little bit around just practices and the, the reason behind the practice rather than just saying, here's a practice, go and do it. So yeah. hopefully again, it'll, it'll help coaches with that. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, that's a good good way to get you back on again then. We'll uh, we'll do this again when the second one comes on. But uh, that's fantastic, Carlos has flown. I've, I've loved it. And and again, I'm I'm hope all the coaches pick up the book and reach out to you. I know you're you're fairly active on Twitter and fairly available there. So yeah, listen, yeah, I'm more than always people are messaging me on, on Twitter like privately. If they want to do that, it's absolutely fine. If I can help in any way, that, that that's that's what I want to do. So yeah, please reach out if you want any help or advice. Thank you, Carl. We'll we'll get you on again very soon then. And, Cheers, uh, and thanks again. No, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.